This is Tamika Jackson, and you're listening to Yeah, You're Right. This is part one of the interview with Jonathan Jackson. Welcome back. Today, I'm here with a wonderful person. He's actually my brother. Um, His name is Jonathan Jackson. He is a school counselor, and he is also a therapist and the founder of Heart Alliance. And as I mentioned before, that we will be talking about trauma and some mental health pieces. And I was excited and am excited to talk with Jonathan because not only is he my brother, but he is someone that is skilled and he is dedicated to this work. And I really wanted to bring him on so that you could hear from him also. All right. Welcome, Jonathan. How are you doing? Hey, how you doing, Tamika? I'm doing pretty good. I am well. I'm well. I'm so glad to have you on the show. We've been talking about a range of things. And so prior to you coming on, our episodes have been based on just the introduction. The second one has been on limitations and how we limit ourselves. We've been talking about just not being embarrassed. Sometimes we have this notion of self-doubt and like when we are embarrassed, just don't be like just making a decision and like really facing that fear and that anxiety in the face and dealing with it. Um, in the last one, we talked about how we mask fear and in my future episodes are going to be talking more about fear. But I wanted to give you just some background so you know where we have, you know, gone. And so I brought you on at this point because I really wanted to get your insight and take on this idea of trauma and how this impacts a lot of the things that we have been talking about so far. Okay. Great. So can you just give the audience a little bit about yourself and why did you choose to be a therapist? Ooh, okay. So one of the things about myself is like, I absolutely love what I do. I enjoy being a school counselor. I enjoy being a therapist. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's it's easy to explain, but it's also, it's very hard to explain because I really, like, I love what I do. And one of the ways that at least uh, I can best explain it is I never have to retire, like, from my hmm. job. I never, okay. like, I never have to, you know, say, oh, you know, at, at, at 55 or at 65, you know, I'm going to retire. I, I can continue doing, you know, therapy or doing this work for the rest of my life, or it'll always put me in, you know, different avenues. So I have, Mm -hmm. I've had the ability to uh, work on a psych unit where, you know, I will work with patients that have have been diagnosed with uh, mental, uh, mental health issues. And um, I don't know, it's like, I love being in positions where, you know, I can help someone else or, or give, something to someone else or be of be of service to someone else. Got it. And I, I would also go as far as to say, even my own, you know, family history, just the way I grew up, I feel like it opened me up to, you know, wanting to, you know, be there for other people. 
That makes sense. So when you, you said you worked on a mental health or was it the psych ward? Correct. It was um, a psych unit. Okay. What was that like? (laughs) So working on a psych unit, when I first started there, it was, I would say it was challenging. It required you to do a lot of processing. <laughs> um, you had to really prepare yourself for what you were, you know, what, what you were facing on a, a day in, day out basis in regards to having some people that might be suicidal, having some people with, you know, um, like severe depression, having some individuals who might, you know, be psychotic, you know, having some people you know, who um, they weren't suicidal, but they wanted to harm themselves. And as sometimes as a result of harming yourself, whether it be, you know, uh, cutting or any kind of uh, mutilation, even as far as, you know, scratch, like scratching their skin off, you had to be able to, you know, handle those situations and not, I want to use the word flinch. So it makes it very, very, very challenging, but it's something that I really, really, really love to do. Got it. Thank you for that. I work at a school, as you well know, and it is very interesting because it's not like the psych ward, but (laughs) sometimes it feels like the trauma ward. And that's really why I wanted to bring you on is to really talk about trauma. We talk about it all of the time. But it's something that even in my own personal life, I find that is always there, you know, and it comes and it looks different. But I really wanted you to sort of like break down what, you know, if the audience doesn't really know what trauma is, break that down for them. One of the best ways that I explain trauma is it's like a picture that is like either imprinted or like painted on your brain. And every once in a while, depending on what the situation is, something occurs, something happens, and it reminds you of of a traumatic situation that happened. And though the picture is, you know, like painted on your brain, it's like it begins to flash like in front of your eyes. So when, depending on what kind of traumatic event has occurred, it's like it becomes a reminder for you. And it like it just, it flashes right before you as if this is something that has just occurred. So, you know, trauma, trauma is a beast at the end of the day. Trauma is very, 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 very hard to, you know, deal with in there is no real way on how to handle it. I could give you mm-hmm. 50 different, you know, things that you could do or, you know, different things that, you know, that you should do. But for every mm-hmm. person, it's just, it's always going to be different. Trauma is definitely a beast. Okay. So I'll give you a, an example. I think, I think it's trauma. You tell me. So I, to this day, I do not like bananas. I do not like banana flavored candy. And I have a sweet tooth, but I do not like, if I can taste a banana in anything, I am not eating it. I automatically get like just nauseous. Right. Mm-hmm. And so 
I traced this back to when I was younger. I used to go to the dentist all of the time. And when I went, I remember they used to numb my gums with banana flavored anesthetic and they would numb it. And so I realized I used to eat bananas when I was little. And I realized that because I used to go all of the time and I mean, you want to talk about holding on for dear life when they would, you know, have to go in and fill a cavity or whatever work they had to do. Mm-hmm. It was just too much. And so I don't think I ate a banana since. Now, would you classify that as trauma? Oh, absolutely. That is definitely trauma because the truth. So I've been traumatized. Clearly. <laughs> Because it's associated with something that, you know, um, it hurts you at one point. And because of it, that's something that you, you know, it, it becomes a trigger and you don't want any part of now as an adult or for some, sometimes for the rest of your life. So trauma, you know, trauma does this thing where it'll even, it'll hold you in bondage. And like, I know you, you might not agree or you might not want to hear it this way, but that's a form of bondage. You can no longer eat bananas or anything banana flavored based off of this traumatic event when you would get anesthetic. It pretty much it sets you up for the rest of your life. Okay, so I'm okay with never eating bananas ever in my life. Like I don't miss them at all, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Except for when I want to have a smoothie and everything has banana in it because <laughs> apparently banana is the sweetener. But I'm okay. But how does that, you know, can we really talk to the audience about how trauma really, because you said something that I think is important. And it's something that I've talked with the listeners about. And this idea of how trauma can paralyze you Mm. to the point where you can become inactive or refuse to make moves in regards to your life, like your next steps. I think one of the areas where I have tried to really address in my life is this notion just to even produce this podcast. Like there was something that was blocking me and it was actually serving as a hindrance. And I remember having to fight through it, but this sort of inaction or inability to move forward in that way. Once I realized that, I said, okay, wait, what are you doing? Like, this is something that you can do. I realized it's paralyzing. And so I've started to begin the work where I begin to push past it. But I mean, let's say people say, okay, they're listening to this podcast and they say, you know what? I have trauma in my life. What do you think they should do to address it? That's a very loaded question. It's loaded? Okay. <laughs> but the the best way I could explain it is with any kind of trauma or traumatic situation that, you know, may happen, the best way to deal with it is to literally to be open, to be vulnerable, is to face it head on, is to literally find out what it is that has either traumatized you or what tragedy has occurred. And the best way that I explain it is to like, you know, literally to put it on the table when you can not be in denial of what has happened and what occurred and put it in front of you and, and then deal with it and then face it. Right. That's when you can really begin to 
you know, go through the process of dealing with the trauma that has happened to you effectively. Because what a lot of people do, they act as if nothing ever happened. And especially in the African-American community, we, okay. we act like nothing happened because <laughs> what our parents tell us is, you know, what happens, you know, in this house stays in this house. Okay. And because of that notion, very rarely do we deal with anything that has happened in the house. Mm. And I personally believe that what happens in, in this house, it normally is going to kill somebody in this house, too. Wow. Okay. So you just said a lot there. Now, when you're thinking, so you said a couple of things, right? So you're talking about the African-American community. Why do you think it's in our community that we have this sort of, you know, what happens here stays here? I have my own suspicions or my my own thoughts about that in regards to, you know, how we got here, even as a people all the way back from, from slavery and, and how we had to deal with just life. There wasn't a lot of time to, you know, to think about um, the most important things, which would have been, you know, your children, your family, which would have been um, the things that are affecting you. You, everything was about survival mode. What can I do to survive this situation? What can I do to, you know, survive uh, this beating or, you know, this abuse or this, you know, rape or molestation, what can I do just to survive even throughout the night? What can I do to get through this this moment, this trauma that started well, well before, you know, we were <laughs> we were even born. And it's I believe it's something that is generational. It's been adopted by, you know, um, families and our, our different family members. And it just it. it continues. Wow. I would contend as we both work in schools that what you see a lot of times is definitely this generational thing happening, but also this notion we heard growing up, it's like snitches get stitches. Mm. Like you don't tell, you don't rat out other people. You don't, especially family, even though it's abuse, right? It's this term that Mm. we can even talk about Stockholm syndrome and just how we, you know, sort of romanticize some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it may not even be in a romantic way, but just sort of like this loyalty aspect on how we hold on to people that have abused us and caused trauma in our lives. And so definitely in impoverished communities is something where it is prevalent and not, right? Mm -hmm. You know, some of these things definitely cross over the classes. But you also mentioned this thing around focusing on like how trauma can just really like stunt your growth. Mm. Can you just touch a little bit on that? I'm sorry because... Trauma, it literally, it'll stop you from, from growing. And like, have you ever, have you ever met someone who is maybe the same age as you? And it's, it's as if you're talking to like a child, you know, a toddler or or you've met someone and they're well in their, you know, forties or fifties. And it sounds as, as though, you know, they're 21. So depending, depending on, where the trauma has happened or occurred. Right. A lot of times that's where that's where the bondage also begins, where the individual can't even grow. 
whether that be, you know, mentally and sometimes physically. I've seen situations where based off of the trauma that that has occurred to the individual, whether it was, you know, a car accident, whether, you know, a parent or mother getting their kids taken, where it would actually even distort, you know, their body in such a way where, you know, the head is leaning to the right or to the left and it's stuck there. And they have like, because of the the traumatic, you know, event, the individual, they, it's as if they can't move their muscles in any kind of way. It's like lockjaw where they can't even move their muscles. It's, Right. It would be it would be difficult for them to do so. And right. it's it's difficult for them to get out of the trauma. And one of the things that I work with within Heart Alliance it is dig, right? And to break it down, it is dissect your past, mm-hmm. I investigate the present, and then G graduate into the future. So in order to move from a traumatic state to a place of freedom or liberty, you must dissect what has happened in the past, which is sometimes normally the trauma that has happened. You you now have to investigate the present. How is this affecting me now? Is this, is this causing some delay? Am I still growing, you know, mentally, physically, am I moving, you know, in this world, in this society, in the right direction? And then you have to graduate into the future. And that also takes, it takes time. You have to process what has happened, what has, you know, what has taken place in order for you to move from point A to point B. Got it. Okay. So let's go back to the D and dig, the dissecting piece, right? So if I was to dissect, let, let's say, let's go back to this banana situation, mm-hmm. right? So I think maybe when I was a teenager, I said, you know what? I'm just going to try to eat a banana. (laughs) I'm just going to get one. I'm just going to try. And so, I mean, it's almost a, not almost, it was a physical response where I just became nauseous because all those feelings came flooding back, Mm -hmm. right? And so this feeling of one, probably feeling out of control, Mm -hmm. two, pain, three, the things that come when Mm -hmm. you're in fear. Mm -hmm. So you're nauseous. Like, I mean, it's, it was almost as if I was on the dentist chair again, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm just like, I'm not eating this banana. I like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so this is as simple as a banana, but imagine the other traumas that people have faced and how do they go back to dissect that? I mean, is that something that they can do by themselves? Is that something that they should really seek out a therapist? Like what, what does that look like? So um, I'm glad you asked that question. And even your analogy is really good in regards to, like wanting to try it, you know, like, again, like, let me, let me give this another opportunity, you know, and see, you know, what, what will happen. And the first thing came to my mind was too much too soon. <laughs> you tried to eat a whole banana and thought that, you know, it was just going to, I don't know, maybe be osmosis. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But one of the things that I have, you know, learned with some of my studies is 
it's it's portions, right? It's a process. For um, for instance, if let's use something different. If you are, you know, in a car accident, so let's say mm-hmm. it takes ten seconds for a car accident to happen, it will also take a lifetime, you know, to to deal with and handle all the triggers that come with the car accident. Although it took you 10 seconds for the car accident accident to actually occur. Ah, okay. Okay. So because of that, now you have to dissect or dig, right? And the dissecting is breaking down every part. It's a process. You, you can't go back to the scene of the accident and just be okay. Ah. Because before you get to the scene of the accident, there's going to be some kind of trigger that occurs that says, oh, wow, I don't know if I can do this. So you have to mm-hmm. start to expose yourself in increments to certain things. And it's actually yeah. called exposure therapy. A lot of times, different people, they, they use it for sometimes if like severe OCD and things like that. But it's, okay. it's still the same the same concept, which is... A little bit at a time, not too much. Okay. The last thing that I would want anyone to do is have a, you know, a fear of something and mm-hmm. then you just fully expose them to their fear. Got it. And they're terrified of, okay. you know, bananas. Got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So then what does investigate the present look like? Like what what does that look like practically? Investigate the present practically is Mm -hmm. how is this thing affecting me? Okay. How can I move? How can I move from this thing being a hindrance, a boundary? How can I move from being in bondage? Because what happens in bondage is what? It's slavery. Mm -hmm. You can't do something that either at maybe at one point you loved or you enjoyed based off of mm-hmm. this tragic accident that that has happened or occurred. Mm-hmm. How can I now get free? So that's investigating, you know, the present. Mm-hmm. How can I get free from where I am right now? So what, can I do that by myself? Um, so good question. And uh, in, in a perfect world, maybe, <laughs> maybe, um, and, okay. that, and that's where the stigma with you know African Americans counseling. Their idea is, oh, so I'm crazy, and it has nothing to do wow. with you being crazy. It's a help. It's a sometimes it's, it can just be a guide, right, to get you from you know point A to point B. Right. I would not suggest you do it by yourself, depending on what kind of, you know, trauma has occurred or has happened to you. Um, there are professionals, there are people out there that, that can help you, that are that are willing to help you. And I would definitely say, you know, seek professional help. It's no shame in saying I need help. It's the same thing with learning how to ride a bike or learning how to drive a car. Someone had to help you. Someone literally had to give you some kind of instructions on, okay, put your foot on this pedal, you know, this this will help you, you know, move the car or, you know, put your foot on this pedal because this is going to stop the car. It's okay with just a few instructions here or there. No one's perfect at life, but at certain junctures, we all need a little bit of help. I am so sorry to stop this interview right now, but we've reached our 30 minute limit 
And I just want to say I am getting so much out of this interview and I know that you will as well. So please tune in next week to hear the second part of the interview with the school counselor and therapist, Jonathan Jackson. See you guys next week.